This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro, Channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn, Radio Romania International 1, and in Europe via satellite Utilsat 16A on 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. We wish you good reception conditions. Hello, you are listening to the news on Radio Romania International. I am Vlad Palcu. Vacancy filling contests will be held in hospitals for resident doctors amidst personnel shortage warnings. The National Bank expects an annual inflation rate above 6% for December. And the Romanian men's handball team is today playing Argentina in the Yellow Cup. Romanian Prime Minister Marcel Ciolacu has promised to solve the problem of resident doctors who took the specialty exam last year as quickly as possible. In the first government session of 2024, the Prime Minister said he doesn't want these physicians to leave searching for jobs abroad and called on the relevant authorities to take action so as to hold vacancy-filling contests. Both USERE and the administration of hospitals and medical services in Bucharest complained about medical personnel shortage, accusing the ruling coalition of having brought the medical system to the brink of imminent collapse by ignoring the crisis in the medical system or by operating draconic cuts to hospital budgets, thus endangering patients' lives. The National Bank of Romania expects an annual inflation rate of over 6% for December, Central Bank spokesman Dan Suciu told Radio Romania. The inflation rate showed signs of slowing down in November, when it dropped from 8% the previous month to 6.7%. Dan Suciu believes early 2024 will determine an increase in the inflation rate, as the new fiscal measures took effect starting January 1, but says it will go down at the end of the first quarter. External factors greatly impact prices, for instance tensions in the Middle East affect fuel prices, Dan Suciu also argues. Bulgaria, Romania and Turkey are expected to sign a joint agreement for demining operations in the Black Sea. Bulgaria's Defense Minister Todor Tagarev said the agreement has long been in the making and the parties have finally agreed on the final details. The agreement will be signed next week and provides for the creation of a trilateral mining task force in the Black Sea. Since the launch of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, a lot of maritime mines have exploded in the Black Sea, the latest such incident involving a Greek vessel in December. Representatives of Romania and Ukraine have signed an agreement for developing relations in the field of digitization and cybersecurity, the Ministry of Research, Innovation and Digitization reports. The agreement will serve as the foundation for a new mechanism 
whereby the European Union will fund technology and know-how transfer projects in Ukraine under Romania's coordination. The goals are to increase resilience and protect digital infrastructure in Ukraine and Romania, to consolidate the level of cybersecurity for the infrastructure grids of Ukraine and Romania, to develop cloud infrastructures for electronic public services and to exchange know-how in terms of developing policies in the field of electronic communications and emerging technologies. The Romanian men's team is today playing Argentina on the second day of Yellow Cup hosted by Vedentur. Yesterday, Romania lost 37-31 to to Switzerland. Yellow Cup is the final test ahead of the EHF Euro 2024, where Romania will play in Group B alongside Spain, Austria and Croatia. Spain was vice-champion in 2022. Austria defeated Romania in both preliminary fixtures, while Croatia played the final in 2020. The top two teams in each group will advance to the main group phase. Romania had last qualified to a European Championship in 1996. And that was the news on Radio Romania International. Dear friends, the Radio Romania Board of Administrators decided to temporarily suspend the use of two out of the five Radiocom shortwave transmitters that ensure the broadcast of Radio Romania International's programs because of budget cuts. The RRI programs in English are affected. All of them may be received on only one frequency instead of two as of August the 1st. The frequencies, as well as any other prospective changes operated by Radiocom for the to reception monitoring and to your feedback on reception quality will be announced in our broadcasts on our webpage and on Facebook. We invite you to follow RRI's programs online at rri.ro, including On Demand, on SoundCloud, on Android and iOS apps, via TuneIn and via Satellite. You can find more details on our homepage. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn and Spotify. NATO supports a coalition of allies to procure up to 1,000 Patriot missiles to strengthen their air defense. I'm Elena Yanake with more on this topic in a report by Corina Cristea. NATO has announced that its support and procurement agency will support the coalition of allies, including Germany, the Netherlands, Romania and Spain, to procure up to 1,000 Patriot air defense missiles. The consolidated multinational procurement in the spirit of the European Sky Shield Initiative offers economies of scale and supports the expansion of production capacity for new GMT missiles to meet increasing demand. NATO said in a statement. The $5.5 billion contract has been awarded to Comlog, a joint venture between an American company and a German company, and the large volume of the order will support the setup of a production facility for Patriot missiles in Germany. 
Patriot missiles cost around $4 million each, but the contract also covers the supply of spare parts and maintenance. The NATO Support and Procurement Agency stated that this purchase aims to strengthen the deterrent posture of the Allies in the context in which Russia is intensifying its air attacks on Ukraine. Russian missile and drone attacks on Ukrainian civilians, cities and towns show how important modern air defense is. Scaling up ammunition production is key for Ukraine's security and for ours, NATO Secretary General Ian Stoltenberg said in a statement. NATO provides Ukraine with only non-lethal support, but members of the organization send arms and ammunition to Kyiv, individually or collectively. The United States and Germany have already delivered Patriot missiles to Ukraine to help counter Russian attacks on its cities and infrastructure, and those deliveries have partially depleted stocks. The U.S. was even forced to ask other countries, including Japan, to help rebuild them. Following this request, in the second half of December, Japan relaxed its arms export restrictions for the first time in the last decade, the historic decision of the Japanese authorities allowing the sale of Patriot air defense systems to the United States. Washington, in turn, will be able to deliver more such systems to Ukraine. The Patriot program is currently the most expensive endowment program of the Romanian army. Romania currently has four such systems out of the seven ordered, for which it will pay a total of almost $4 billion. Patriot missiles can fly 5,000 kilometers per hour and can hit drones, helicopters, planes and cruise missiles. The Romanian army, which starting from 2023 received 2.5% of the GDP, will have 200 such missiles worth 1 billion euros with the delivery to be made gradually. And that has been our newscast. Next in this program, sports. Hello, this is Daniel Bills at the microphone. After a break of eight years, Romania's football side is again present in the final tournament of a European Championship. This performance proves that the year 2023 has been the best year of the Romanian football so far. But let's have a look at the chronological results that led to the aforementioned performance and recollect the other landmarks of the Romanian football in 2023. Romania kicked off its qualification campaign in March with two wins, 2-0 in an away game against Andorra and 2-1 in Bucharest against Belarus. However, the two matches were more like training sessions for the Romanian side for the more difficult matches to come. Only the side of Belarus managed to put a little pressure on the Romanian eleven after they had scored 
in the end of the game and thus created the impression they can level the points. The two matches in June ended in draws. An ill-all in Pristina against local side Kosovo, which cast a question mark upon the future shows put up by the trainees of head coach Edward Jordanescu. Then came the surprise result in the match against Switzerland in Lucerne. In the first half of the game, the Romanians managed only a lacklustre show with a poor defence. The second half was a little bit balanced, but also dominated by the hosts. Zeki Amduni put the hosts in the lead in the 28th minute, adding a second 13 minutes later. A minute from time, though, Valentin Mihaila latched onto Olympio Morutan's cross on the right side and reduced the difference. The score became 2-1, but three minutes into the injury time, the two Romanian players exchanged a couple of passes and Mihaila added a second for the Romanians. The match ended in a two-all draw, an unexpected result for Romania. In September, Romania versus Israel ended in a one-all draw. Denis Alibek put the Romanians in the lead with a goal scored in the 27th minute, but Oskar Gluck levelled the points on minute 53. The leg's surprise was Kosovo versus Switzerland, which ended 2-all, boosting the morale of the ex-Yugoslav 11. In Bucharest, though, Romania outperformed the ambitious side from Kosovo 2-0, thanks to the goals scored at the end of the game by Nicolae Stanciu and Valentin Mihaila. Before the matches in October, the Romanian national eleven was ranking second in Group 1 with 12 points, second only to Switzerland. Their first away game against Belarus took place in Budapest and ended in a draw. Nil all. It was followed by the game against Andorra in Bucharest, where our footballers clinched a 4 0 win, a result prompting them to the first position in the ranking, two points ahead of Switzerland, which had a game in hand. The last of the qualifying games in November proved to be the best our footballers played in the Euro 2024 qualifiers. The first was a 2-1 win against Israel in Hungary, thanks to the goals scored by Georgia Pushkash and Yanis Hadji, and Romania assured its place at Euro 2024. Then there was the match in Bucharest, decisive for the first place in the group. Without shining, our footballers clinched a 1-0 win thanks to the goal scored by Denis Alibek in the game's 50th minute. The lots cast on December the 2nd have placed Romania in a group with Belgium, Slovakia and the fourth side, which will be known after the playoffs in spring between Israel, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Ukraine and Iceland. We cannot end the review of the football year that passed without a look at the performances obtained by the club sides. Romanian side CFR Cluj made it to the European Spring of 2023 in the Conference League. Unfortunately, they were stopped in their tracks by Italian side Lazio in the eighth finals after a nil-one away and nil-all at home. And that's all from our sports desk. Focus on Romania. 
Next up in this broadcast is Song of the Day, featuring pop singer Andra with the song Immortals. Andra's unmistakable voice, warm and enveloping, recommends her for emotional love songs, which are often used at weddings for the bride and groom's dance. Andra's latest single falls into this category. Andra describes the song Immortals as follows. It talks about the moments and memories that define us, about love, passion, and our deepest experiences. This piece is dedicated to every soul who has felt that their life is full of immortal stories. Listen to the song when you miss someone or when you are close to your loved ones. And if you can't tell them face to face, send them this song as a declaration. The music will speak for you, said Andra. So listen to her with the song Immortals. Aș fi atât de fericit Să am un ultim sărut Să țină până când Timpul s-o prește Sigur nu o să-mi fie frică Dacă ești ultima clipă Spunem că o să fie bine Ține-mă la piept din nou Nemuritor listening to Radio Romania International.
The future starts today. Hello and welcome to our geopolitical feature. I am Kalin Kotsoyu. The end of the year 2023 brought Romania and Bulgaria news they had been expecting for almost 13 years. The Council of the European Union unanimously approved the entry, though partial, of the two countries into the Schengen area of free movement after Austria lifted its veto. More precisely, as of March 31, 2024, controls at the air and sea borders with the two countries will be lifted. However, Vienna set conditions for its agreement, including the intensification of border controls, investments in infrastructure, and the taking in of asylum seekers from Austria, Afghans and Syrians in particular as well as for strengthening border control and combating illegal migration. Romania and Bulgaria will continue to receive financial support, as well as Frontex assistance. The decision was welcomed in Brussels, according to which the integration of the two will make the Schengen area stronger, because both Romania and Bulgaria have run new pilot programs which other states are yet to implement, after the Council and the Parliament recently adopted the new Pact on Migration. Another advantage is the fact that the inclusion of Romania and Bulgaria in Schengen will stimulate travel, trade and tourism, which means strengthening the domestic market. For Romanians, access to Schengen will bring three important benefits pointed out by the MEP Victor Negrescu from Brussels. First of all, Romanian citizens will move more easily in other Schengen countries, gaining a right they deserve. This also means that Romanians from the diaspora can return more easily by air, benefiting from the many existing airports in Romania many of which are in the process of expansion and modernization. Secondly, Romania will be able to more easily transport essential products to the Schengen area using air transport. This applies to the transport of medicines, emergency transport, the transportation of sensitive technical equipment, and the transportation of parcels or logistic transport with a civil-military component. And thirdly, Romania will become more attractive for foreign investors and tourists. Integration into Schengen with the maritime border will, at the same time, exponentially increase the importance of the port of Constanza on the Black Sea. What hurts the Romanians and the Bulgarians the most is, however, the decision regarding land borders. That's why what's been decided so far has been termed rather a stage victory. Here is foreign policy analyst and commentator University Professor Stefan Popescu. The big economic stake is the integration with land borders, but considering the number of Romanians who take the plane to the European Union, the Schengen area, and this one-step victory is important, 
It has a value, therefore, both practical and symbolic. I hope that it will make us relate to the European Union as first-class citizens. I hope we have more clarity regarding the main stakes, the integration of land borders. 2024 will be a difficult year for negotiations because we have elections in the European Union. Towards the end of the year, in the fall, we will have political elections in Vienna and Austria. And I think that the negotiations for the integration of land borders will probably extend to 2025, when we will have another European Commission and another political reality in Vienna. But it is good that we also get in with air and sea transport, which are significant for the moment being. Accession to Schengen is a pending case both for Romania and for Bulgaria, for the entire Union, in both major plans of interest, both economically and symbolically, says University Professor Ion Bogdan Lefter. It is because many transporters, on the one hand, and the businesses that produce what is transported, suffer because the goods stop at the Romanian and Bulgarian customs, so the economy of the entire European Union is affected. Certainly, first of all, that of the two countries, Romania and Bulgaria, but it also hurts others in their wallets, in their bank accounts. Symbolically speaking, it was a problem for the entire European Union because it is a problem of union cohesion, of sending messages in the sense. Returning to the financial consequences, it must be said that the two countries incur huge losses every day, and at the end of the year, we are talking about billions of euros less in their budgets. Analyst Stefan Popescu believes that this is a problem that is best dealt with by Romanian diplomacy, which must maintain pressure and must keep getting Europe's attention. You've been listening to The Future Starts Today. This is Radio Romania International, cultural event. Hello and welcome to our culture feature. I'm Kalin Kotsoyu. In 2023, the city of Timisoara in Western Romania won the title of European Capital of Culture together with Elefsina in Greece and Vesprem in Hungary. The program was described by the organizers, the Timisoara 2021 Association, as an active contribution to the valorization of Timisoara's identity, creativity, diversity, and cultural vanguard as engines for sustainable community development. The program was a whole process, a transformative journey mapped around three territories. One, the territory of the people, the community, daily habits, dreams, joys, and collective fears. Two, the territory of places, the city as a culture of union, 
the revitalization of public spaces, the involvement of the inhabitants, and three, the territory of connections, the unity of the people of Timisoara and the city with Europe and the whole world. Many memorable things happened within the Timisoara 2023 European Capital of Culture program. Over 1,500 cultural events, according to Ramona Lachko David, cultural project coordinator. The grand finale of the program consisted of a closing gala in December 2023, suggestively titled Timisoara 2023 Endlessly an event that took place over four days of concerts, conferences, and reflections on the cultural year. Expectations regarding the entire program were far exceeded through the number of participants, the type of events, or the variety of artists engaged in the program for all areas of art. Hot statistics show the following figures. Over 1,300,000 visitors, of which over 850,000 were external visitors. The number of overnight stays in accommodation units exceeded 800,000. The value of media appearances at the national level was 20 million euros, and the total exposure, national and international, exceeded 40,000 appearances. Just to list some of the successes of the Timisoara 2023 European Capital of Culture program, we mention one of the main events since the opening of the program in February 2023, the retrospective exhibition Victor Browner, Inventions and Magic, organized in the beautiful Baroque Palace of the National Art Museum in Timisoara. The exhibition functioned as a tribute to this artist of Romanian origin, extremely relevant for international surrealism. Browner, who lived between 1903 and 1966, was born in Piatra Namps in northeastern Romania and asserted himself in the 1920s as an emblematic figure of the Bucharest avant-garde, and then in 1933 he joined the surrealist movement initiated by André Breton. You've been listening to Cultural Event. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Next in the broadcast, listen to music highlights. I am Vlad Palku. Today's edition is devoted to one of the most acclaimed and promising young cello players of the last decade, Andrei Ionica, who recently celebrated his 30th birthday anniversary. We start with a fragment from Bure from Suite number no. 3 in E major by Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> Thank you. 
Andrei Onitsa was born in Bucharest on January the 1st, 1994. He took up piano at the age of five, and later he switched to cello. After graduating the Arts University in Berlin, he started taking part in a number of international music contests, the receipts of which shot him to fame. Listen next to A Peasant Dance by Konstantin Dimitrescu. Performing is Andrei Ionica on the cello and Naoko Sonoda on the piano. Thank you. 
And we go out with an exit from Requiebros by Gaspar Casado. Performing is Andrei Onitsa on the cello and Dana Badoy on the piano. Living Romania. Coming up next in this broadcast. 
Artscape. Hello, I'm Cristina Matescu with a new edition of Artscape, today about a new English title available in Romanian translation. The Scottish librarian and author Sean Bithell was in Romania in December to launch the Romanian version of his 2019 book Confessions of a Bookseller. For more than 20 years, he has been the owner of The Bookshop, a second-hand bookshop in Wigtown, Scotland. Bissell is best known for his 2017 book The Diary of a Bookseller, a humorous account of the trials and tribulations in the life of an independent bookseller, with stories about his customers and his most eccentric staff. The book was an instant hit in the UK and soon became an international success, being translated into dozens of languages all over the world. The second volume of his diaries, Confessions of a Bookseller, published two years later, was recently translated into Romanian, with the author himself travelling to this country in December to promote it. He met his Romanian readers first in Timisoara and later in Bucharest, where he was hosted by the Cărturești bookshop. He began by recounting how he came to own and run a second-hand bookshop. Wigtown, the town where I have my shop, is um, a small rural town with a population of about a thousand people. And my parents had a farm about a mile away. And I've, there isn't much in the way of employment. So I moved to Bristol and uh, in my 20s. And I was doing a series of really deeply unrewarding jobs, which I'd kind of made a career choice of just doing really crappy jobs, which... Uh, when all my friends were buying houses and things, I realised it was probably not a very good idea. So I was visiting my parents at Christmas and I always used to go and see John, who owned the bookshop in the town. And he uh, he was asking me you know, what I was doing and I explained that I, my life didn't really seem to be going anywhere. And he's, he said, well, why don't you buy my shop? Uh, and I thought, right, John, I've just explained my life's not going anywhere. I don't have any money. Don't need to worry about that. Banks have money. So I went and saw the bank manager and he foolishly lent me the money to buy the shop. There's no way that he'd have been allowed to do it today. But it was um it it was a great turned out to be a great opportunity. And uh even though there are various online monoliths that have driven prices down and down and down and made it harder and harder to make a living selling books, it's been It's been a really good thing, and I thoroughly enjoy it, and I wouldn't change it for anything. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Sean Bissell also spoke about the difference between selling old books versus new books. There are a lot of differences. The most significant one is how and where you get your stock. So for me, uh, there is no central warehouse that I can just phone up and say I I need 10 boxes of classical fiction and whatever. So I, the way I get my stock is that normally it's when somebody dies and um, family members are, are having to sell the house. So I, I get phoned up to take the books away. Um, and of course, everybody think, who comes into the shop thinks I get them for free. And this is one significant difference. I bet nobody haggles on price um, in a new bookshop. So I normally I I'll drive out to you know I well I drive all over all over the UK and and clear houses but also people bring books into the shop which is a real nuisance because 
normally when they're bringing them in, they just want rid of everything. Whereas I probably only want at the most 30% of what comes in. So I end up with boxes and boxes of complete rubbish. that, And eventually the shop gets kind of totally gridlocked and you can't move. So that's that's how we acquire stock. But I mean, f- for me, it means that when I go out to someone's house, I never know. I, I've got no way of controlling my stock because I never know what I'm going to get. So it's unbelievably embarrassing when customers come in and say, you know, there are a few things that people always ask for, like To Kill a Mockingbird, 1984, sort of all the the kind of modern classics. And you never have them because I very rarely come across them. And as soon as I put them on the shelf, they go. Whereas if you're in a new bookshop, you can just order what you want as you need it. Um, And I imagine stock control is considerably easier, whereas I have no stock control whatsoever. Noting the large number of international titles in Romanian bookshops, Sean Bissell said that's not the case in the UK. In the UK, there isn't a massive culture of reading books in translation. I mean, you get things like Shadow of the Wind, which are huge, and um, there's so much literature that just doesn't make it into the UK. And I'm sure it's absolutely brilliant. And reading Saramago, reading Blindness, um, just made me realise how narrow-minded we are in the UK when it comes to literature. Bookshops should be a window to the world, whereas in the UK, I think it's a window to the UK, uh, with a few exceptions. But um, I rarely come across translated things. But one of the functions we should perform is to whether it's it doesn't even need to be international but you know you're opening giving people the opportunity to read about things to open their minds to explore things they didn't necessarily know about the pandemic Sean Bissell says changed people's attitudes and that was also reflected in the book selling business the books because they've been reasonably successful have actually brought people to the town and to the shop which has been great um because that was kind of one of the reasons for doing it, was to just make people aware that Wake Town exists. Certainly, the, the pandemic made a massive difference in terms of people's buying habits. Obviously, everybody had, well, nobody had much choice but to buy online. But I think when the first lockdown was lifted, that was the best summer we ever had, because I think it made people appreciate bricks and mortar shops of all kinds, um, not just bookshops, but it certainly made a huge difference to us. Um, and it's been pretty steady. I mean, we're, we're very seasonal. We don't get any trade, really, in the winter. But even the winters have been better. So I think it, it, has, it has made people appreciate things that they maybe didn't otherwise. Despite everything, Sean Bissell says selling books is something that makes him happy. Basically, book selling for me is kind of like a lifestyle choice. Um, it's not really a career choice. If it was, it would have been an extremely bad one. I'm just happy. I've always been quite content. And now that I feel like I've found the thing that makes me more happy than I could possibly have imagined with any other job, and also working for yourself, God almighty, there's nothing quite like it. You work hard, harder than you probably would otherwise, but you don't have to answer to anyone. And it's just such a joy not to have anyone breathing down your neck. 
I mean, the problem is a buck all stops with you, but still, I think it's the most liberating thing that I've I've ever done. And I think over the last 21 years or 22 years since I took over the shop, I was, I was saying that about only about 30% of what I what I handle in terms of whether it's a house clearance or what people bring in is stock that I want. But if you include the other 70% that I don't want, I reckon I've handled probably over a million titles in since I started selling books. And that's kind of... Uh, there's just something almost enriching about it because you don't, even though you don't necessarily read the books, something, some, there's some osmotic force that means that you remember them or, or you find out some biographical detail about the author or something, and it, you, you're just constantly absorbing information. And I just find it really, really enjoyable. That was Sean Bithel, the owner of the bookstore, a second-hand bookshop in a remote Scottish town, and the author of several books in diary form about his experience owning and running an independent bookshop in this day and age. And that's all in Artscape today. From me, Cristina Matescu, it's goodbye. on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. Hello and welcome everyone to a new edition of Simply Folk at the microphone, Vlad Palku. Today we will be introducing you to a representative of the so-called golden generation of Romanian folk music, Natalia Gliga. Listen to her performing a love song. Să-mi bătrânie 
And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next programme for Western Europe at 1800 hours UTC on 11630 kHz in the DRM system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programmes tomorrow at 1200 hours UTC on 21470 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet at www.rri.o channel 1. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at rri.o. Goodbye.